This is the Finding the Founders podcast, episode 13. Hello, patriots, and welcome to the Finding the Founders podcast. I am your host, Nathan Burr, and I am grateful that you have tuned in today. For the last nine or ten episodes, we have been looking at the self-evident truths asserted by the Founding Fathers in the Declaration of Independence. Self-evident truths that comprise the core idea that is America. I said at the beginning of this series that America was not formed because that's where all the American people lived or because it had borders that were just perfect to define the outline of a country. Let's call it America. Rather, America was formed upon an idea. And in a nutshell, that idea is that being made in the image of God Every man and every woman has natural rights that no other man or woman can violate. And as we've looked at, those rights include the right to life, the right to liberty, the right to the pursuit of happiness, the right to a government in which the people have a say. Self-government, you could call it self-governance. These are the the basic tenets upon which America was founded. And as we've looked at Scripture, we have seen that each of these truths that the Founding Fathers proposed is biblically backed. And I said if that was the case, we as Christians in America ought to be fired up because we live in the greatest country on earth, a country that was founded, if not on overtly biblical ideas, on ideas that align with biblical principles. But there is still one more aspect of this that I want to explore in in the final episode of this series, and that is the question, do we have a right to our rights? The reason I put this forth is because whenever you start talking about defending our rights or standing up for our rights or the importance of our rights, invariably some fellow Christian is going to give you a rebuke or a lecture or start accusing you of of straying into uh, American idolatry. So I want to look at the things we've talked about for the last nine or ten episodes and kind of summarize with three key points for us to consider about our rights. First, we need to, again, make sure we're very clear what we're talking about and what we're not when we say rights. We are not talking about preferences. We're not talking about getting our way. We're not talking about doing whatever it is we want to do that we think is the most fun. Nor are we talking about rights that we have because some or other government gave them to us. 
we're talking about, again, natural rights that every single person who has ever been born, in fact, every single person who has ever been conceived has. Whether they live in America in 2022 or in 1792, or they live in China, or they live in first century Rome. Rights that everybody has, basic natural rights that no one, not even the Supreme Court of the United States, can take away. God-given rights, and thus rights that only God has the right to rescind. Not man, not any other entity, only God. Second, when we stand up for our rights, when we, if you excuse the term, insist upon our rights, we are insisting upon living the way God has ordained for us to live. And yet, for some reason, that tends to generate blowback. If I said that I am going to stand up for one particular right, the right of, of unborn children not to be murdered by their parents, no, no Christian is going to give me any guff. If they do, I, I would seriously question by, by what metric they're, they're defining Christianity. Probably shouldn't have gone there, but I did. If I said I'm going to take a stand for the biblical definition of, of marriage and of the family, one man, one woman for life, I'm going to get a lot of pushback, but it's not going to come from those within biblical Christianity. It's going to come from outside. If I choose to structure my life around the values of kindness and compassion and charity because I see a biblical directive or a biblical blueprint telling me that's how I am supposed to live, no one's going to have a problem with that. But if I say that I want to stand up for the right to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and self-governance, no, 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 you're starting to worship the flag instead of Jesus. Well, that sounds a lot like idolatry to me. You're conflating your citizenship as an American with your citizenship in heaven. Why is that? Why is that the response? I think there are two reasons. I think one is that people have been deceived and bought into the lie that the rights to life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, and so forth, are secular ideas put forth by secular men in a secular document. They do not see that these are also biblically supported ideas and values. The second is that a lot of people, a lot of good, well-meaning people, have strayed into indulgence and license and a pursuit of pleasure or autonomy. And when I say a lot of people, I'm including myself. I told you at the beginning of this that I'm, I'm a flawed guy and I make those mistakes and I stray to those things. And I think a lot of Christians, when they hear any other Christian say the word liberty or freedom, they immediately assume the worst because at times we have shown them the worst. A few episodes ago, I mentioned the Truth Project. 
which is put out by Focus on the Family. It's a worldview study, probably 20, 25 years old. I've gone through it a couple times, and, and there are a couple lessons in the Truth Project that really serve as the genesis for a lot of what I'm talking about in this podcast and for this podcast as a whole. And throughout the series, they interview different, uh, I don't want to use the term experts, but I guess that's kind of how they'd, how they'd present them as, as uh, men and women who have, uh, whether it's theologically or scientifically or, or whatever, they have, a, they have a perspective and they have the, the insight to, to shine a light on, on some of the topics being addressed. And I want to read you now a quote that, that came out of the Truth Project from the late R.C. Sproul. And he said, for us to go against these, and he meant natural laws, laws based on the nature of God, for us to go against these laws is to ask God to deny himself, to deny his own nature. When we stand up for our rights, we are standing up for the way God intended for life to be. Just like when we stand up for traditional marriage. Just like when we stand up for for virtuous values and principles. Third, and I just talked about this in the last episode, when I stand up for my rights to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness and self-governance, I'm standing up for your right as well. We can't separate them and pull them out. Now, I don't deny that sometimes there's selfishness in my standing up for liberty or standing up for the pursuit of happiness, especially when I start taking the pursuit of happiness and and twisting its original meaning to make it a pursuit of whatever Nate wants to do to have fun. I'm guilty of that at times. But if you go back to the, the height of the COVID lockdowns, when our governor determined that the vast majority of his of his citizens were quote non-essential that didn't didn't affect me personally my wife and i are fortunate that our our jobs continued we never missed a paycheck but a lot of others weren't so fortunate their right to the pursuit of happiness that is to provide for their families to to make a living that aspect of the pursuit of happiness was denied them stand up for your rights, you're standing up for my rights, we're standing up for each other's rights. If, if my, my liberty goes out the window, again, on the scale we're talking about here, yours probably goes out the window too. And as we looked at several episodes ago talking about liberty, the founders recognized when liberty is lost, liberty is lost usually for good. That's, that's the scale that's what we're talking about. There's a passage of scripture that is often used by, and I want to be careful here, by well-meaning Christians. I don't, I don't fault them, but I do think they, they take this passage and they misapply it. When they speak out against those who are standing up for their rights, In Philippians 2, we read, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, 
being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And again, I hear Christians take that passage and say, well, see, we should lay down our rights, just as Christ laid down his rights. We should, we should take up our cross and follow him, not, not take up the cause of liberty and freedom. But what they miss in making that statement is the verse right before that passage I read, which says, Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This ties back to what, again, I, I said we talked about in the last episode. In Scripture, we're told that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord our God, and the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, we can, we can just try to stand up for our rights in a vacuum, be completely selfish about it. And there are those who do that. And again, I'm guilty at times of that. But when we're talking about standing up for our rights, these natural God-given rights, we are talking about standing up for the rights of others, for our kids, for our friends' kids. In my case, this has just recently been driven home again Last week, I'm recording this a little early if you're wondering, last week when my sister gave birth to her sixth child, and I hold that tiny little baby in my arms, when I stand up for the right to life, to liberty, to the pursuit of happiness, to self-governance, to, to freedom, standing up for her right to have those things as she grows up. Now, I don't deny that there are times when, as a Christian, we are called to make drastic sacrifices, to literally lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, or to surrender our, our liberties. We see that throughout Scripture. We see examples in the 2,000 years since, of people who have made great sacrifices of their natural rights, but they have made them in direct obedience to God. They have made them for the specific purpose of advancing the gospel. Again, there, there come drastic scenarios where we are called to do that. But it is not the expected daily norm that we actually give up our rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to our fellow man. We're to lay down our, our life uh, surrendered to Christ, meaning at a moment's notice, if he says, Nate, I want you to literally lay down your life, I do it. Nate, I want you to give up your liberty, I do it. But until that call is actually made. Well, I'm living in surrender to him. I'm not living in surrender to the next Hitler or Mussolini or Stalin. Because if I do that, I'm surrendering you to them as well. And I'm not loving my neighbor. I know that that might just rub some people the wrong way. Maybe it's, maybe it's the way I phrased it, but I'll come back to it again. I can't love my neighbor and at the same time be silent in the face of evil ideologies 
that seek to oppress and suppress and take away God-given rights that no man has the right to take away. Over the last nine or ten episodes, we've touched on, on each of these ideas just briefly. I could go into a lot more detail, and maybe further down the road in this podcast, I'll devote more episodes to, to drilling deeper on some of these concepts. But I hope that these ideas have struck a chord with you. And maybe you still don't see it quite the way I see it, but I hope this has gotten you thinking. I hope that you will look to the scriptures to see if, if the things I've said are true. And call me out if they're not. The last thing I want to be doing is, is taking a stand and, and be taking the wrong stand. But I think I'm in the right here. And uh, if so, I hope that, that I can persuade some of you who maybe don't see it that way to see it that way. I'd love to have a dialogue. I'd love to have, have a discussion. Uh, you, can, you can find this podcast on, on my Facebook page. I have a personal page, and then the podcast has a page. I'd, I'd love to see your comments there. You can email me at findingthefounders at usa.com. Or if you happen to see me out and about, I'd love to chat with you. Iron sharpens iron, and that isn't only when it comes to, to biblical ideas and to biblical truth. I can't think of a better way to close this episode and this series of episodes than by reading again these four self-evident truths outlined for us in the Declaration of Independence. I hope as you, as you listen and hear them, like I said, that they will strike a chord with you, that they will resonate within you, because they are the idea that is the United States of America. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness.